welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 164 for Monday, October 25th, 2021. My name is Joel Duggan, and joining me, as always, is my friend Johnny the Shoutcaster, and you might know him better as Pixarifs. Hello, sir. Hello, I'll try not to shout too much on this episode, uh, but if you're interested in hearing about what I am shoutcasting, uh, you can get a little bit more information about that in the render distance. That's the extended version of the podcast. You can get that from patreon.com slash the spawn chunks if you sign up to support the show and join our discord, listen to the show live and get the render distance in your RSS feed. Also, if you're a patron, the quarterly Hangout recording for our quarter three 2021 Hangout is now available on both the Patreon page and the patrons RSS feed. It should just pop up after last week's recording in the feed, uh, where Joel and I covered the latest download numbers, uh, Patreon goals, YouTube milestones, and answered some questions from the live Discord chat. So if you're interested in getting that, once again, patreon.com slash the spawn chunks for a bit of inside baseball on the podcast. There's quite a few people in the Discord on the weekend, and I really appreciate the questions. They were really good. Yeah, yeah, always great to uh, to chat to people. And uh, yeah, we, we get a different set of questions every time, it feels like. So always, mm. always really nice to, uh, yeah. to hear from people who are newer to the community, especially. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week, sir? Mostly, I have been working on the Ant Hill on Empire's SMP, but that is perhaps the least exciting thing about my week now, because as Athol mentioned, uh, I'm returning to the Twitch Rivals casting desk this week to commentate an event called Cube Clash, which is going to be 20 teams of four players each competing across a variety of game modes with a, a pretty decent prize pool. Uh, that's happening tomorrow at the time of this recording on October 26th at 10am Pacific, 6pm UK time, whatever that is in your time zone so really looking forward to that it'll be my second time commentating a twitch rivals event so super excited for that and uh yeah looks like there's some familiar names and some less familiar names in the list of players so looking forward to getting into that um in other uh pixel riffs extends out into the world of weird commercial stuff uh i'm also working on a sponsored video where i recreate a minecraft survival guide build using lego the final video for that is not going to be out until November, but the Lego has started to trickle in, and my community has voted that I have to reproduce the mountain from the latter half of the survival guides first season, and so that's naturally going to be kind of on people's minds, what with mountains coming to Minecraft in the uh, the 1.18 terrain generation, so really looking forward to getting my teeth sunk into that. I might need to order a few more grey blocks, <laughs> because I'll need a lot of stone for it. Um, but overall, that's been a really interesting challenge to approach it from a creative perspective, thinking, how can I work with scale? How realistic do I need to go with this? And I'm kind of wondering how many people out there do this almost in reverse, like how many people work with Lego to reproduce their Minecraft builds, or how many people build something in Lego to do something physical with it before trying to reproduce it in the world of Minecraft. I know you've done a couple of like Lego-inspired builds on the Citadel, but have you ever tried to reproduce something from an actual Lego build, like brick for brick? No, not not within not within mine like not going back and forth because it's not a one-to-one -one ratio unless it's had that design intent yeah because uh -huh. uh, lego pieces get smaller than than a minecraft block yeah, they're, quite they're, quickly. Not, they're not like perfect cubes really no are they? And yeah and even like a even like a two by two studded lego piece like a classic piece is not it's not a perfect cube it's a little bit squat like a little yeah, bit yeah. flat uh it's like a grass block if you took the grass off the top of it like the first mm -hmm. two or four pixels um i know that the bank in my modern city was modeled after the 
block bank piece, which is part of the uh, Lego cities. I think they're, it's a creator set. It's discontinued now. You can't buy it from the store. Um, and it was a, a set that was really, really cool looking. And again, like I, I treated that as if I'm looking at a model from a model railroad or, or a miniature on Pinterest or something like that. I, I've used the Lego as inspired, you know, shapes and, and stuff like that. Well, the nice thing about that is that Lego doesn't often have angled pieces, especially with your houses and architecture and stuff like that. So, I mean, maybe on roofs, but it's a lot of the time you're going to be it's going to be easier to translate Lego from a Lego build into Minecraft. Mm. Um, I know that when I have done that, I tend to go with more of the Lego ideas page because they tend to come up with more unique shapes. They have a little bit more texture and stuff to them. They're not limited by, and I'll use this as a, as a kind of a, an outside knowledge term marketing like they don't have it doesn't have to sell so to speak some people on lego ideas are just making something to make it look pretty it might be yeah. impractical it, it might be too expensive to build with very special pieces and therefore it wouldn't be um wouldn't be feasible um but some lego ideas pieces do make it all the way into uh all the way into um into the production uh and they're yeah. some of my favorite builds actually uh, i believe the Lego typewriter we've talked about on the show before has made it all the way through. I think that was Lego ideas build. Um, yeah. To start with. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And that's, and that's a fantastic piece. Um, I, I now mm, have it in mm -hmm. my office actually, because my partner did not want it like on their desk permanently for, <laughs> for like, it's one of those tiltable art desks and it's like, it's just going to slide off if I want to use this to paint or anything. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's been really fun. And there's, there's some interesting pieces in these Lego sets. I've got a couple of, uh like little mini figs uh i was really hoping that at some stage i'd be able to get like a mini fig with my own like trademark minecraft outfit on but th that's going to have to happen another time i think but uh there are little removable armor sets and and obviously like accessories you've got pickaxes and tridents and stuff that they can hold there's even a charged creeper in one of the sets that i got so really Fun. interesting to see the stuff that they they produce that is not necessarily your standard lego but is very uh very minecraft I like how bright the colors are that you've shown me in the yeah. in the Minecraft Lego sets. Like you've got your browns and your greens, but there's also like bright orange, bright yellow, bright red. It's it's very very cool. Yeah, I'm thinking in terms of the base, I might actually try and assemble a like a pixel art approximation of a Minecraft grass block as the base for the whole thing because I've got a lot of the base kind of sections that I don't need to necessarily use for I, I'm, I'm working very off book here and it's my first time really doing something like that with a with a lego build normally I just kind of follow the instructions to the letter mm. but I, I want to try and do like almost like a four by four pixel art style uh grass block and see what I can do with the the brown and green base plates for it nice have you are you familiar with the burp block in lego I am not what is so that acronym so it's a big ugly rock piece is is the <laughs> is the name of it and uh people that are building like lego cities or lego towns and they want like a backdrop or they need something they use these big ugly rock pieces to fill in the gaps between like their table having two different la layers or uh trying to create like a cliff side or something like that so they've been uh called burps because you don't usually get a lot of them in a lego set so people order them separately that's uh -huh. one of those things that you find out when you're a lego nerd like me uh, a, a Google search is revealing a lot to me at this point. Yes, yes, I see this now. <laughs> yeah, if nothing else, even if you don't have them to use, they're good kind of like shape inspiration to then make it 
those shapes out of your existing lego pieces yeah yeah definitely yeah i'm 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 gonna have to like i said i need a few more gray blocks here and there but i'm going to uh gonna try my best to reproduce something that looks a little bit naturalistic and obviously with my my mountain as inspiration but taking some creative liberties for the sake of scale and my own sanity at yes. that point <laughs> um how about you joel how's uh how's the citadel i i managed to pop into one of your streams and you showed me the top down view of the the area and it's looking really good especially on the east side the area that you've completed now is looking great thank you uh and to completely go the other direction we're actually now on the west side of the river i've uh, not jumped the shark but i've jumped the river and i'm now working on some of the houses on the main road uh these don't have any real function i just kind of have a very specific skyline like i want to keep the skyline interesting i don't want to block the views of some things and uh, i also want to um make sure that the road feels dense so i'm putting these houses quite close to one another which provides challenges when you're trying to figure out you know how close the roofs are does that leave an alleyway do you want an alleyway that kind of stuff um so i'll, I'll share some screenshots and stuff with our live discord as well as with you know the, the show notes uh ignore the giant diorite blocks all over the place um it just turns out that diorite is one of the great blocks using the map mod to mark out your foundations and mark out where a building is going to be because it's bright white on the map it shows up very very easily next to all the gray and mm -hmm. it's also not a block that i use a lot of so as i'm going through and i'm fixing up the town very easily you can spot like a spare scaffolding block like oh that polished diorite is not supposed to be there i should replace that with something a little bit nicer looking um, not that i don't use it at all but i i tend to not use it in such vast quantities um, but uh, had a lot of fun messing around with the new block palettes, of course, because uh, it's been a while since uh, I've been on this side of the river and I now have deep slate. I've got calcite. Uh, we've got tough, although I tried it and I didn't end up using it. Um, but I found that calcite in the top floor of this large house. Um, a lot of calcite all in one spot is a little overwhelming. It has a very distinct repetitive pattern that yeah. mm -hmm. i i forgot about so uh i peppered in not a lot just a little bit of white concrete powder just to try and break that up a little bit so it doesn't look like a checkerboard and uh it worked out pretty well uh, i also ended up hiding a lot more of it like i kind of blocked in the top floor with a lot of calcite and then i started to use like wood framing and and shutters and stuff like that and so less and less of the calcite was starting to show through and so that overwhelming pattern got kind of hidden a little bit more over time uh, it's a little bit more visible on the sides of the building, but the sides of the building, as I'm constantly reminding myself, are going to have other buildings in front of them, right? So like if you're saying, looking at the side of your house going like, man, it's not the best looking. And then you're like, wait a minute, I still have another house to build and it's going to go right up against this one, which means mm -hmm. that the side of this build is really all that, not that important. And I found that uh, in doing that, I kind of have to start to build other houses around it before I'm even finished it. So I'll frame in a house, I'll get through the build. And then as I'm getting to the point where, okay, now I'm going to be spending a lot of time detailing this and getting it right. I should frame out this other house next to it so that I'm not wasting time putting details in a window that's going to be completely covered up and a yeah. meter from the house next to it, you know? So, um, so I did, I did a lot of that and it was a lot of kind of like off the cuff. I had no design there was a frame already there. I'm not sure where I got the shape, but the, the house has got two turrets on the on the front of it, which is just these two kind of square towers. Um, and that helps break things up. But in terms of uh, roofing texture, like I'm not entirely happy with it because 
I decided to go with a dark oak roof um, to better match other houses in the area, but that really limits your texture variety in, in Minecraft when you go with dark oak. Um, mm -hmm. with, with spruce and other woods, you've got a lot more leeway. There's more blocks you can work in, but with dark oak, you've got basically just bark blocks, and I tried those and it didn't work very well. And so I needed to make the tower or the turret roofs a different texture. So I went with cobbled deep slate and it's okay, but it's complete uh, material shift from the wood roof that covers the rest of the building. So I'm not entirely sure it works. Um, my brain still flip flops between seeing deep slate and going, that looks like rock or that looks like roof shingles, right? Like yeah, my, my, bra yeah. my brain, you kind of have to like, depending on what mood I'm in, I see one or the other. So it can be a little bit tricky sometimes. So I'm a little bit frustrated with that, but I, I'm trying not to redo things in this city. I'm trying to iterate. So if I'm not super happy with something or if I need a better combo, I'll search for that better combo down the line. I won't necessarily just tear down these roofs and try again because um, that just gets annoying. Yeah. Did you ever end up um, doing much with the deep slate tile texture, the one that you can make out of cobbled deep slate? Yes, I did. I don't think it's visible in the screenshots that I've shared this week, but there is a roof. Um, I think it's in the th second screenshot. It's off to the right-hand side. But yeah, there is an entire roof that's all tile deep slate. And that, again, on its own is a cool texture, but with so many of them all together, it looks very repetitive. And it, yeah. it, it doesn't look like it looks like roof tile at first, but then at the same time, you're like, oh, now it just looks like a Minecraft texture. Like it really pushes and pulls. Uh, and it has the same issue that that calcite has. Um, I've used the tile more often as a frame. So you know how sometimes yeah. people will do a roof that has like a dark edge to it. I've used the tile, deep slate tiles for the edge and then used a different form of deep slate or basalt in the middle. And that tends mm -hmm. to work a little bit better. Um, and as per your request, I finally remembered this week to grab a couple of uh, top-down screenshots from the map mod uh, that we use to um, kind of like de design the area. And uh, it's actually really, uh, it's getting to the point where there's a lot of blocks in the area that I've actually touched you know, in, yeah. terms, in terms of the, uh, the, the way that it's coming together. And uh, the only thing that I think kind of stands out to me is a little bit strange is that one of the, the bridges, the main bridge, one of the first things that I built it's a straight line and so many other things in this town are not. And yeah. uh, if I was to do it again, I would probably move the bridge so that it just has a little bit of a kilter to it. Just anything like have it go five blocks along and then just bump over by one, you know, just something mm -hmm. to kind of it a little bit of a, of an angle. Uh, but that goes with building confidence and, and stuff like that. But uh, in these, in these map mod shots, uh, there's a lot of sand along the rivers and that's just me kind of like sculpting the river and trying to get it to flow the right way and having not gone back to finish the landscaping. But the, the, the east side of the town is looking pretty dense. And uh, unfortunately the, the foliage and some of the different blocks don't necessarily show up on the map. So um the river is a lot more finished uh any kind of waterlogged slab reads as blue so mm -hmm. you don't yeah. see the wharf um so much um but it's it's coming together and uh, i took a couple of walkthroughs as more people came into the stream on sunday and walking through the area um especially for people that hadn't been to a stream in a while it was really cool because it just it really does feel dense like when you're trying to show off a few things it's nice to not have to like kind of walk over to one building and stand there, I can just kind of slowly walk through the east side of the town and you'll get a very distinct idea about what I'm trying to do. And it's um, it's been a fun check mark, you know, to, to get that east side done.
looking at the top down views of this i think it's really fun like seeing the way each of the buildings kind of has its own character and i'm thinking you could almost end up using this as like a dungeons and dragons map if you get like a top down kind of thing and oh, just totally. let people's imagination run with it um there's a really great content creator called andy is yoda who does a lot of build tutorials and i, I occasionally andy. raid I raid him on Twitch and he's currently doing a project or he may even be finished with it now where he and a build team are working on translating a top-down D&D map into Minecraft and just kind of building all of the structures in the places where they're indicated on this map for a, a giant town. And because it's got all of these different layers to it where the map maker has decided I need to mark out where the sewer system is just in case the players end up going down there to escape whatever jail they're in or whatever, you know, that kind of thing, then like you can build it up layer by layer using these maps as reference to the point where you have a perfectly functional city as far as that goes and using that as as reference to build up a minecraft town is such an interesting concept that again here you can almost apply the same thing in reverse you can kind of take what people are doing in minecraft and uh use it for for other things as well i really enjoy uh andy is yoda if um and if you've had a chance to hang out after a raid or whatever for a while, he's very knowledgeable in architecture. And yeah. so it's mm -hmm. always cool to hear him talk about, well, this is how this would really work, you know, in this particular time period, specifically historical architecture. Uh, it's it's really cool uh, to see like how he takes function and works it into, you know, his, his builds. Um, and also because it's creative, like the builds are massive. <laughs> Like it's, mm -hmm. it's the kind of thing where like your, your heart kind of like drops and you go, okay, wait a minute. He's using the, he's doing creative mode. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he has a bunch of other people in the same world yeah. building the same thing. So yeah. yeah, they're all kind of following the formula, but yeah, it's, it's still super cool to see projects on that scale mm. when we're used to survival builds that take two years to approximate a town of half the size. Yeah. <laughs> you know? No kidding. No kidding. Uh, what do you say we jump into some news? Absolutely. Let's do it. This week, Java Edition Snapshot 21W42A is out, and it is time for a musical snapshot. We're now introducing new music for Caves and Cliffs Part 2. This time around, we have a bunch of new tracks composed by the talented Lena Rain and Kumi Tanioka. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. New features in 2142A, the aforementioned new music has been added to the game, and a world autosave indicator has been added for single-player worlds. Nine new tracks by Lena Rain and Kumi Tanioka have been added to the overworld when playing in survival mode, as well as to the main menu. In addition, a new disc from Lena Rain titled Other Side can now be found on rare occasions in Stronghold Corridor chests or by uh, much more rarely in Dungeon chests. Changes in 21W42A include that the world spawn selection algorithm has been reworked and now spawns player according to climate parameters. World generation tweaks. Lava springs can generate in mountains and snowy terrain. Water springs don't generate any higher than a height value of 192. Water springs are also slightly less common. In badlands, gold will now generate higher up. Technical changes in 21W42A include that the light and barrier particles have been replaced with a block marker. Fixed bugs in the snapshot this week. A full list, of course, will be on the minecraft.net blog post linked in our show notes, but a few worth mentioning are that the player was no longer spawning at the highest level at world spawn. Spawning inside icebergs, the player does not spawn on the surface of the world when the minimum Y value is greater than zero. The player can occasionally spawn underground when loading into the new world. 
and beaches generate between deserts and oceans, which isn't confusing at all. We also had a Bedrock Edition beta for Minecraft Bedrock Edition this week, uh, 1.18.0.22. And this is an interesting one because along with the new music tracks added to the game, basically the changelog looks very similar to the uh, Java Edition snapshot, so I won't cover that in great detail. But under the new Vanilla Experiments toggle, some of the Deep Dark blocks were added. Skulk blocks, Skulk Vein, Skulk Catalyst, and Skulk Shriekers are now all available from the Creative Inventory in worlds where you have enabled the vanilla experiments toggle this also enables cheats for your world so bear that in mind if you're at all concerned about that the goat horn and all skulk blocks including the skulk sensor which was in the game previously have now been moved behind this vanilla experiments toggle and it says please note these will not be included in the main 1.18 release referring here to the goat horn and the skulk family of blocks but they're being included as experiments now so that the team can continue to develop those features and gather feedback Old world types have also been removed from the world creation screen. Existing worlds generated using that type will now be playable, but old worlds have now been locked to base game version 1.17.40. Existing old world types, as mentioned, are still playable, but would not be updated with 1.18 features. A variety of other tweaks and bug fixes are present in this snapshot, mostly related to terrain generation and structure placement in the new landscape. Once again, we'll have that linked at minecraft.net in our show notes, so head on over there if you want the full scoop on the Bedrock beta this week. So I have had precious little time with the new music in the game. However, what I have listened to has been really, really cool. Mm -hmm. uh, I know you are obviously a, a musician, uh, first and foremost i think like how how are you feeling about the new music in the game i love it i think lena rain continues to be an excellent follow-up to uh c418 daniel rosenfeld's um and has been treating the original soundtrack with respect <laughs> in a way um it, it sort of feels like a logical continuation of the work c418 was doing um but she's moving it forward into new territory and like we saw this with the nether update with the additions to the the three tracks the three different biomes but then also pig step which was completely different stylistically and kind of gives you a fun thing to seek out a music disc for um and i i feel the same about uh, kumi tanioka's work i was looking into her history because i'm not as familiar with her as a composer but she's worked on a ton of really interesting games um mostly working for square enix since about 1998 uh, so the stuff she's worked on that people might be familiar with include final fantasy 11 which was their first mmo game uh, but also final fantasy crystal chronicles which she's composed extensively for she's also worked on arrangements for super smash brothers ultimate where presumably where square enix characters have been involved in that and collaborated on games like Hyrule Warriors, Age of Calamity. Um, and so, yeah, her tracks, I think, really fit really well with, with Lena Rain. I don't know how closely they collaborated on the, the sound of it or if they were working more kind of independently. But between the two of them, they've come up with some pretty spectacular new music. Yeah, I, uh, I was impressed with the track length. Uh, the, they're more in like the five to six minute range whereas some of the older tracks are like a minute mm -hmm. uh and i was surprised at times when i went to go check now forgive me i don't remember the track names because i was listening on spotify while i was doing other stuff but i would think like is this the same track as it was just a couple of minutes ago and sure enough like you'd be listening to one song but it would feel like it's gone to a different place and <laughs> yeah so uh -huh. and in a good way it feels like it's telling a story and so it's not a traditional 
it's more of a traditional like classical composition than it is a normal song when when people think about music uh and i the one thing that i it made me think of was um i don't play with music on very much at all and part of that is an old habit from recording videos and editing videos and then later on chopping up my twitch vods into youtube videos for edited content because of course having music creates very odd cut points from an audio standpoint uh so playing with music off is usually uh the way to go however um i don't do that anymore so i was like you know i should take some time especially when caves and cliffs comes out to you know have the music going uh in the game but my one complaint has always been that there's a lot more tracks that exist in the Minecraft soundtrack than you actually hear when you're playing the game. So it's cool that they're adding so many new tracks. As I was doing some, some research, watching some videos, it feels like there's still only between one and three tracks that you get to hear in any given biome, which I think is unfortunate because if you decide to build a base in a specific biome, you're going to be listening to those three tracks for as long as you're there. And uh, I, I wish there was a way in game that you could say, that's cool that you've, you know, designed this and want these to play in specific biomes, but I really like all the music. Could you just play it all for me when I'm playing the game? Because that would be great. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, the Minecraft wiki has a really useful breakdown of where you can find these now that people have had a chance to deep dive the snapshot and figure out where some of the tracks play. Um, so Stand Tall is specific to mountain biomes, especially the higher areas. You can find it playing in snowy slopes, jagged peaks, frozen peaks, and stony peaks. Left to Bloom plays in meadows and lush caves, as well as on the menu screen. Uh, One More Day plays in meadows, the menu screen, and some of the other uh, mountainous biomes. Wending plays in groves, uh, jagged peaks, stony peaks, and dripstone caves and Infinite Amethyst plays in Grove and Dripstone Caves as well as on the menu, uh, and then Kumi Tanioka's tracks play in the Jagged Peaks and Lush Cave biomes, the Grove biome, and the Snowy Slopes, Dripstone Caves, and Lush Caves. So it seems like there is a selection of tracks that overlap with each of these. If you drew them as a Venn diagram, there'd be a lot of kind of overlapping areas. Um, and so it's good that they, they do have a, a bit of a range going on there, and that each of these biomes can have a certain theme feeling about it so you can imagine walking into a mountain and hearing the track that you've heard before and it starts to create that kind of like filmic association like this is the leitmotif for jagged peaks or whatever right. but but i agree it, it would be kind of nice to have an option to enable or disable them anywhere and have some kind of like you know permanently scrolling playlist of them but then again that's a good excuse to listen to the soundtrack in the places that you can um and and listen to it in the background i used to play with the minecraft soundtrack just playing in a media player in the background so that you heard the entire soundtrack from start to finish uh, before i switched to other music apps to to stream to but uh like you i don't play with music on a great deal so the music doesn't happen to me as spontaneously as it does the average minecraft player who leaves the music turned up it would be neat if there was like a data pack or a mod that would do that. If anybody knows of one, uh, let us know. Uh, Spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Uh, and I, I mean, I'm cool with wanting like nether stuff to stay in the nether. I not necessarily want creepy music while I'm walking through a sunflower <laughs> meadow, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, uh, or yeah. sunflower plains. But but I feel like um, having a little bit more control over that in game, mostly because because I mean, from what I've heard, it's also good, and I'd like to hear more of it, you know. But I also yeah. I, like I see your point about like them honing it like a like a cinem like a a cinematic experience like you want those specific tracks to play when you're up high in the majestic mountains and then when you're you know in a desert you kind of want a different thing going on um, yeah but i like that they're adding so many it's not like they're adding just four or five like that there's what 10 or 12 new tracks 
there's 10 total yeah one of which is the music disc and and i presume if you've listened to like the the playlist just on in the background you've listened to other side outside of the game um because i took up the challenge of going and finding the music disc and listening to it in music disc form before i would allow myself to listen to it anywhere else because uh, it was a fun way to to spend a video and and do a, a stream on that and i really like other side as like it feels like the kind of the a nice end note like an outro theme almost to going on an adventure that way like it was really satisfying to find it in a stronghold and then listen to it after having such a long journey to get there because starting that from a fresh world <laughs> i had to you know go to the nether get blaze powder get ender pearls come back to the overworld look for a stronghold and then there was only a slim chance that the stronghold would have had the disc in the first place so i found it like a really nice button on that as a as an adventure it's quite difficult to find because it, it says that it occurs rarely in strongholds and much more rarely in dungeon chests i think some people have crunched the numbers and that is not strictly speaking the case in terms of the overall chances of finding them in each structure but um either way it's you know you can search multiple strongholds and still not find it so it's not going to be every stronghold you find. You're probably going to end up stumbling upon it by accident in the course of general gameplay. But it's very satisfying to listen to once you've got it. Have you messed around with the uh, skulk blocks at all? I have. And it's very cool to have them in the latest Bedrock beta. Um, it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, it was a bit of a surprise considering they only just got announced. But presumably they had been working on this block set behind the scenes with the intent originally to add it in the caves and cliffs update uh, but now it's you know at least to some extent there in terms of its functionality it's not all there but i had a chance to hop in and play around with it and i like the blocks i like the textures they've got i know apparently king b dogs confirmed on twitter that the skulk shrieker model is outdated um but it's a really cool set of blocks and the functionality is fun to play with um there is some stuff that isn't there, like the Skulk Catalysts in the Bedrock Beta spread the same amount of Skulk regardless of how much XP the mob would have dropped, which was one of the mechanics they highlighted at Minecraft Live, so that's something that is going to happen. You know, a COD is not going to drop the same amount of XP as a Zombie Pigman, for example, and so the Skulk is going to spread according to that. But right now it just leaves, you know, 3 by 3 patches of the stuff everywhere with a little bit of Skulk Vein around the outside. Mostly I'm just happy knowing the names of all of these things because it wasn't necessarily confirmed what the names of all of them were initially. Um, right now the Skulk Shriekers don't do all that much either. They don't pick up signals from Skulk sensors and most of the time they activate seemingly kind of at random. Like I could get them to activate when I walked over the block sometimes but they don't really seem to be listening for you in the same way. And they do give you the darkness effect, but it doesn't have the fog rolling in that we saw at Minecraft Live. It works best when you're inside a cave. If you're on the surface, it's kind of like the sun goes behind a cloud, but it doesn't really affect your vision in the same way that blindness does, for example. So I had a, a bit of a play around. I've created my new favorite wall design, which is a combination of bone blocks, glow lichen, skulk catalysts, skulk blocks, and then black concrete. And I think it looks like a really neat kind of art deco, almost, uh, wall design, maybe for like an interior of a palace build or something like that. So I shared wow. that on Twitter earlier, and I really like the way those that, that pattern of blocks comes together. Um, and th they were right in... Um, 
I think somebody pointed out, one of the devs pointed out that even though skulk blocks have a similar kind of color palette to end portal blocks and some of the end stone, when you put them together in game, the skulk catalyst block in particular really has more of a bony vibe than it does an end stone vibe. The end stone has a lot more of the kind of flat yellow to it, whereas the skulk catalyst feels a little bit kind of paler and and like it's got you know bones sticking out the skulk shrieker model kind of plays into that a little bit as well so i think they don't pair as well with like end portal blocks as we initially thought and that kind of hints at maybe there being something slightly different about the skulk but who knows there's there's still a lot of opportunity to use the blocks together was playing around with the cyan color palette that all goes really well with warped wood and cyan concrete powder and stuff so i think a lot of that is uh is worth playing around with if you've got access to the bedrock betas so what are is it skulk veins are the the bottom block in that in that wall design um the skulk catalyst is the one that's kind of got a ridged uh yeah you know, like yellowy white pattern but then the curly the one, that... one that looks like wallpaper that's like a skulk vein or something um the the skulk vein is the kind of splotchy stuff that's all over the ground around the oh. edges of the the patches of skulk uh the 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 kind of more filigree looking stuff in the screenshot is just glow lichen from oh, glow lichen. the, the right, okay. cliffs yes yeah, so. i say it looks like the right kind of pattern but i think i thought the skull stuff that i saw on the ground was more like dark like purpley yeah not like more of a darky black turquoise that's oh, okay cool yeah it's it's it opens up a lot of ideas i i watched a video from friend of the show exumavoid um on on the skulk stuff and i was impressed with that a lot of the textures are animated in the mm -hmm. same way yeah. that like dark like prismarine is animated uh things kind of twinkle so the use of black concrete is really cool uh because if you got really dark with it and depending how far it was from the player you could have some of these kind of like off in your wall and it would look like starry night, you know, like it would mm -hmm. look like your yeah. walls have got stars in them or uh, and depending on how far away and how dark the room is, like you you wouldn't even see the concrete blocks because they are black when you, you know, mm -hmm. when you get concrete wet, it's just it's really hard to discern, you know, where it begins and ends and uh, some really interesting stuff. I also really liked the animations. I didn't catch this stuff as much in the video presentation in Minecraft Live, but um, I saw the the Skulk sensor and the skulk shrieker send their audio animations up into the sky i missed the uh, skulk catalyst sending the soul like there's a little soul flame that kind of poofs up into the sky after a uh a mob dies right yeah yeah there's this kind of like pulse that almost comes out from the top texture of it as well yeah. it kind of ripples and that's yeah. that's such a cool effect and is is unlike most of the other blocks that we have in the game in terms of their their kind of activating animation so they've, they've done a really good job of giving these blocks their own character mm -hmm. and uh i know that it's an outdated model but when you look down into a skulk shrieker there's like a yin and yang kind of like swirl of of souls kind of like when you're looking down at the bog in um lord of the rings in the, mm -hmm. in the two towers like there's just these souls kind of swirling around very cool stuff i really it's and and if I gonna tip my hat, like it's it's not morbid, but it's also kind of like spooky, you know. <laughs> Things are souls are trapped in blocks and and being sucked into blocks. It's just it's it's not a, an inviting sort of family of blocks. Yeah, I I think they've they've got a an interesting kind of sinister vibe about them, and and that that's clearly by design, and they've done a, a really good job of that so far. So I'm, I'm looking forward to playing around with these a little bit more. It's also worth noting that right now, in case anybody has any kind of curiosity 
about um the the skulk blocks they they only spread to the same kinds of blocks that moss does so they're not going to take over more complex blocks it's not going to be possible to grief builds entirely unless they're using very natural blocks like grass dirt basic stone types that kind of thing i tried it out on a few other things it doesn't even take over sand it will leave skulk vein everywhere but the skulk blocks themselves don't spread to it so it doesn't delete blocks that are a bit more valuable to the player and not renewable that kind of stuff so i think mm. it, it really um it, it's quite well balanced i think in that way and if you think about it as basically like a a darker variety of moss it's got the same sort of mechanics involved just a different way of spreading it does it break like moss like if you have a shifting floor piston design does it does it, it actually kind of... gets it gets pushed um oh, so really? hmm. in theory yeah you could if because people have been talking about using it to make xp farms because if you break it with uh anything i think it drops xp you can break it with a hoe most effectively kind of the same way you can with moss right. um but but you can in theory make a kind of xp farm by dropping mobs passively having the skulk spread to you know stone from a stone generator via a nearby skulk catalyst and then it continues to push the stuff out of the way and could maybe piston feed tape it into a place where you just have to break a room full of blocks to repair your tools to, to just get a ton of xp back so it's a, a really interesting mechanic and i'm looking forward to seeing if you get more xp depending on the you know the the mobs that you kill or or how that kind of relationship between the skulk and mob death works but uh yeah sinister as all heck but very very fun to play around with mechanically and fun sounds too uh i remember hearing them on the live show but also just like walking around on skulk has like a kind of a squishy <laughs> it feels there's so much kind of wrapped into it like it feels very war of the worlds with the you know spreading of the skulk and the 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 harvesting of the mobs to feed the skulk it also feels very um, Stranger Things with like stuff spreading and feeling organic as you're walking around on it. There's it's a lot of really interesting stuff that it's kind of like it's still very much its own thing. I'm not saying that it's it's copying any of that. It's just it's 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 got that uh, otherworldly invading your world vibe to it. That's kind of what I pull away in in the end. Uh, yeah. And and I I, I want to say. Uh, you made me aware of a conversation that you had with King's B-Dogs in your Twitch chat on, on the weekend where I was confirmed <laughs> that my read <laughs> of the darkness effect coming from the warden from a story perspective anyway uh, was was the intent. And that mm -hmm. while mechanically it's the Skulk Shriekers that cause the darkness to happen in the game, uh, it's supposed to f like, look like it's coming from the warden off screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. If the, if it kind of rolls in from the outside in that sense, then yeah, it definitely gives you the feeling that like you know the 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 walls are closing in a little bit, and the warden is close to finding you. So uh, we were talking a little bit about that in the stream and about how difficult it is to predict what the player will do in a sandbox environment and create like a horror experience in a sandbox yeah. environment generally. And I think they're doing a really good job of that. So uh, obviously, can't wait to to see more there. Um, for now, let's move on to chunk mail, though, before we uh, you know, keep talking about this stuff forever. We are going to be talking about the mob vote in our main discussion as well. So we've got a little bit of lighter chunk mail for this week's effectively chunk mail dispenser episode. If you'd like to email the show, uh, the email address is spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Keep it short and sweet, and we will hopefully have a chance to read it on the show if you're 
your email is worth a discussion. Uh, I'm going to read this first one. This comes in from Wacky Zacky 2 Thank you so much for the email. It says, Hi, Johnny and Joel. With the recent announcement of the Wild Update and the addition of chest boats, I thought this might be an opportunity to add more boat variants to the game. This could include furnace boats, boats with a sail, and even, just maybe, TNT boats. Thanks for a great show. Keep them spawning. Wacky Zacky walked off a cliff while trying to think of a clever sign-off. <laughs> if only more people did that, we might get through these emails faster. But no, thank you. Thank you very much again for the email. Um, so sailboats are obviously the thing that differentiates them from from minecarts in this example. Because, of course, you know, furnace boats and uh, TNT boats are obviously kind of bouncing off the ideas that minecarts present for both player transport and transport of other things. And without the sail, I don't know a TNT boat would really do all that much. <laughs> you know, you may as well just have a TNT minecart because without a uh, a sail attached to it as well, it's not really going to go anywhere. Um, I like the concept of there being more boats in general, but I don't know if they need to have necessarily the functionality of minecarts. I think something more exclusively boaty would add a bit more value to the game for me. So the sailboat one is probably the idea that appeals to me the most but of course that relies on minecraft having wind of any kind <laughs> or, or just maybe propelling the player in whatever direction the player wanted i guess but um how do you feel about boat mechanics so far joel well the idea of a furnace boat while i know redundant um i just like the idea of whatever you know kooky sound effect minecraft would come up with like blah 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 blah. like it mm. wouldn't be a motor you know it would probably sound yeah, like yeah. A, more like, sound like a drowned <laughs> just underwater pushing your boat along i'm uh, thinking like 40s paddle steamer kind of situation you know like yeah. that's steamboat willy it, yeah. it, it needs to have some way of the the oars rowing themselves or maybe yeah having having paddles on the side instead yeah, I think that would be kind of funny. Uh, I I like the idea of maybe adding some sort of functionality like, you know, uh, maybe you were talking about last week how difficult it is to get boats to go back up waterfalls. What mm. if a furnace boat was able to go vertically? similar oh, to a go. bubble column right like so there's really a it's of no use to you going across the ocean but if you're in a cave then putting some coal in your furnace boat and you kind of start to hover like a little hovercraft that could be kind of fun uh, yeah again yeah. I, I leave it to minecraft's imagination to come up with some kooky weird way to do it and really it maybe they come up with something completely different like we we thought of, you know we had striders in, instead of uh lava boats uh what if instead of a furnace in the boat uh, boat mobility is, you know, getting a specific mob in the boat. Uh, maybe, you know, not that they would ever do it, but like leashing dolphins, you know, like like yeah. King Trident in uh, Little Mermaid or having some other mob, uh, maybe a hostile mob. Like if you can convince a hostile mob to chase you, if they grab onto the boat, maybe they just try to kick and then you just use them to kick the boat along. I don't know. I just I, I just like the idea of of some sort of boat automation. I don't know what use it would be uh, other than the player not having to hold forward on the keyboard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I but mean, the, the the thing about players having to row the boat actively on Java Edition, at least, you cannot eat at the same time, and I find that's often an interesting trade-off for like longer journeys. If I want to get out into the middle of the ocean to avoid mobs, or I'm uh, you know just recently coming out of a a mining trip and I'm in a boat and I want to refresh my health, I have to stop in the middle of the ocean to have a snack before I can continue. And so I'm thinking, oh, if boats are autonomous, then I can eat food whenever I want to and sort my inventory and all of this stuff while I'm uh, on that longer trip. Especially now I've explored more of the snapshots where they've doubled the biome size and oceans seem to be included in that because the oceans in the snapshot worlds I've played in are huge um, and it's, it's kind of wild. I think that may even be why they ended up 
configuring some of the uh, spawn locations a little bit differently in this most recent batch of snapshots because if you spawn on an island in the middle of the ocean and there are no trees around and you have to swim somewhere <laughs> in order to find your first wood and you're swimming for probably a full Minecraft day, your odds of survival diminish, especially with the drowned spawning in the water around you during the night. So I, I do think there's, uh, there's, there's a lot to be said for motorized boats in that kind of environment. And sailboats to me are also, you know, that's that's the cool idea, right? I don't know how that works mechanically. I'm not sure how you code it. You know, maybe the bigger the sail, the faster you go. Even mm -hmm. though there's no wind in Minecraft, maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe just wind is always behind you because it's Minecraft and you can just do that. Um, but I like the idea of a sailboat because it 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 gives you something that could be multi-purpose. Like what if the sail on the sailboat is something that you can construct elsewhere as well for decoration? You know, I'm thinking like, glass panes but made of wool instead right so mm -hmm. you can attach them to a boat make it go forward you can hang them from something to make a pattern uh, uh you can uh, create a pattern like maybe your boat has got a big x on it maybe you can make them large enough to have a, like a little skull and crossbones i don't know um i just like the idea of being able to create sails because um something that i see with people that create boats in minecraft they look wonderful um, but the only way that you can really make it look convincing is if you have the sails bundled up in the, in a little roll. Uh, if the sails are unfurled, it looks like a bunch of blocks of wool. <laughs> like I just, mm -hmm. I does for me, it doesn't really work as well, uh, with the right scale as the rest of the boats can look fantastic with all the different, you know, um, blocks that we have in Minecraft and wood to make a boat look really cool, like a, a traditional sailboat. Um, so it would be cool if we had that some sort of sailing mechanic, but, um, and I, I mean, if the oceans are getting larger, maybe there's a bit more of a demand for it. If the oceans are larger, I can certainly see the demand for chess boats, uh, a little bit more now. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen a few, um, like mods and, and resource packs and stuff that allow you to add banners as a sail to boat, but I don't think it's ever had functionality. I think it, yeah, if anything, it's just kind of, uh, there so that you can put a skull and crossbones in your boat if you want to if you've got your got yourself a with a skeleton skull anywhere uh, handy our next email comes in from Keiki enderman which is either really cool or really gross i can't decide incorporating all mobs from the mob vote hi joel and johnny after watching the minecraft live live stream and hearing about the new update which i'm very excited for i thought of a few ways to incorporate the quote-unquote losing mobs into the game for the Moobloom, I thought it would fit very well into the concept art for the birch forest that was shown, so they could maybe have the biome spawn a unique feel or have the Moobloom spawn in that biome. The Ice Alger could spawn inside the igloos in the snowy plains or inside any pillager outposts that spawn in a snowy biome. The Copper Golem might fit well in the archaeology update found in the underground cellars shown in the Copper Golem's announcement video. I thought that the glare would fit into the lush caves or abandoned mine shafts. Sure, fire 44435 was given poisonous cookies by NLA. I think there's two different usernames here at play. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, I and I tease about the Kiki Enderman. I think that's actually quite funny. Um, I, I, I've seen, we've seen it with frogs, right? So we know that Mojang is not likely to abandon the idea of mobs that didn't quite make the cut in the mob vote. Uh, yes. I don't know about those first cutoffs, but those runner-ups, I would say, are, are pretty darn close to having a checkmark to to be eventually added into the game. Uh, so that would, I think, mean that the Ice Olager is probably a higher pick than, say, the Moobloom. Yeah. Um, but a tip of the hat 
um, to to Surefire there because the Moobloom and the Flower Forest for me would make a better pick than the Birch Forest, but that Birch Forest had a lot of gold going on. And mm-hmm. I think that uh, while I think a forest cow would be kind of weird, um, I, I think that it would also fit very well. Something that I like about frogs is that you have to take them to a different biome and breed them to get a different frog. What if instead of um, spawning in a flower forest or a birch forest, you had to bring cows to a flower forest or a birch forest and then breed them there to get the mooblu, right? Like that, that could be a cool way to do it. It does seem like a cool idea. Um, I kind of like, yeah, I like the idea of mobs like evolving in different locations. Um, I do wonder if they might avoid that just because it might take away one of the unique aspects of frogs, uh, since that's kind of one of the selling points that they had at uh, at Minecraft Live. Um, and villagers already kind of do this, but it's their clothing that changes, not their functionality. Whereas we would assume that the Moobloom has a different functionality rather than just being a, a reskin of cows or, or mooshrooms for that matter. So yeah, maybe um, maybe there are different ways they can do it beyond just biomes. Maybe there's some, some other stuff. Maybe it starts eating some of the flowers sort of at random when you take it to a flower forest and slowly over time the flowers take over <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a nice and happy way. Um, beyond that, I, I do like the idea of regional pillager outposts. They kind of seem like a fun idea, like the 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 pillagers seem like a bit more of an organized society i like the idea of them adjusting their tactics depending on the vo- on the biome leaving an isologer on detail to kind of patrol the outpost um the problem then becomes it's not really worth raiding pillager outposts at that stage uh, but then that might potentially be worth it if the isologer ended up dropping something that would be really useful to the player then the fact that the loot in pillager outposts is rubbish becomes something closer to what woodland mansions were back in the day where hey that's the only place i can go to get this specific type of drop like let me let me go for that like you used to for totems of undying from evokers before the pillager outposts were introduced and they added raids um but it would give them something interesting to happen there beyond just getting bad omen getting yourself filled full of arrows and then getting the heck out of there i do think there's uh there's some some options there for for adjusting pillager outposts and i like again the biome specific idea because an isologer is going to feel really out of place spawning in a savannah or a desert I thought the idea of a copper golem linking to archaeology was neat, but then of course archaeology is on the back burner for further notice, so I don't want mm-hmm. it to be there. <laughs> um, yeah, I think a copper golem, like you don't really have to stretch a lot to fit that into a game. Any kind of like smaller redstone update, copper update, uh, anything like that, I think um, you'd be able to squeeze in the the copper golem because of course the copper golem, uh, as we'll get into later in the show has more to it than just itself. Like it, the copper button was also mentioned. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like the copper golem is something that they, they can kind of lump that in with any kind of technical update or any kind of a smaller update. I don't think they'd have to make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, people would be quite happy. I think just just based on what I saw online and the 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 swell of support for the the copper golem, which we'll talk about in a second when we discuss the mob vote, I do think the um, yeah, the copper golem is is likely to make a, an appearance in future. But uh, again, what update that happens to be, I don't know. But it's clear that as part of their selling point, Mojang wanted more uses for copper, and the copper golem would have added not just the golem itself, but buttons made of copper as well. So I can see that maybe making its way back into the game at some stage in future. But uh, in the meantime, we have 
the subject of the next email. Uh, Evil Shadow has sent this email in and wanted to talk about the relationship between the Allay and the Vex. If you're wondering what an Allay is, listen on. Uh, in the meantime, hello Johnny and Joel. I hope you guys are doing well. Uh, a few days ago I read that the words Allay and Vex are antonyms of each other. That means, for people who don't know the word antonym, that they have the opposite meaning. Um, I have a Minecraft lore theory about this. Now that the Allay has won the mob vote, what if in previous times the Allay was used to do chores continuously without giving them a break? One day the Allay turned against the player seeking revenge, and if the last item the Allay was given was an iron sword, the Vex was born. Do you think that using an Allay mob a lot would make them hostile against the player, or perhaps giving them an iron sword would turn them hostile? Would implementing this mechanic make any sense? I would like to hear your thoughts. Evil Shadow was slain by an angry Allay. <laughs> that that is that is called a vex. I think at that point it is it is most definitely a vex. It's a vexing idea. It I, certainly is. Yeah, um, I can see that the the LA could maybe be limited as to what they could collect. Uh, maybe they can't collect iron. Maybe weapons or tools in general are, are a no. Um, but I think limiting the use of the LA for a time perspective would remove a lot of the appeal of the mechanic very quickly um yeah. i think that the appeal right now is that this is something that can be automated if i tell the la to get cookies provided that there's cookies around or say carrots that are being farmed by villagers or whatever and i want them to pick it up and put it near a, a hopper or near its um note block uh for me to collect and do other things with if that eventually breaks down over time or inevitably without like it will break down over time i'm not going to use it <laughs> i'm yeah. just going to mm -hmm. use a hopper and a water stream right so it having it have that kind of limitation i think is probably a no uh yeah. however uh i really like the idea of um not having it collect all the things or i there's i can see it not wanting to tread on other mobs like honey for bees or maybe wither related items like maybe it doesn't want to pick up wither skulls with i mean it's a cute little fairy i can't see it if you say go pick up skulls i can't really see it going yeah sure and just kind of mm -hmm. going off and doing that uh ender pearls stuff related to the end maybe i could see them limiting it to overworld or overworld in general kind of like nether goods like you know netherrack and stuff like that but not yeah. not anything too spooky um I, I, again, I'm not. I'm not really sure. I mean, we don't even know what this thing could do. Maybe it behaves very differently in the Nether. It, you know, if you get one into the Nether, maybe it takes things away as opposed to giving things to you. I don't know. Uh, yeah. There could be a lot of really cool things there. What do you What do you think about you know some some limitations placed on the LA? See, I think it needs to make sure it's intuitive to the player somehow is the main thing. Like if, if it's going to refuse to pick up certain items, then I think there needs to be some indication of why. And it probably needs to be a slightly rarer item so that it's not the first thing the player tries to give to them. You know, like I, I get the sense that in order to introduce players to this mechanic it's going to be quite difficult without the player knowing about it ahead of time. And that's going to be an interesting balancing act for Mojang to strike. Because, say, for example, you run into one of these things and it's already holding an item. So you're in a cave, you're mining, it's already holding, say, like, a block of andesite or something like that. Um, if, you, if you run into it and it's holding andesite and it just starts picking up the andesite that you're trying to gather, the player's instinct might be, hey, this stuff is stealing from me. This this mob is taking all of my my possessions that I wanted, and, and then they try and kill the mob instead of trying to give it another item to collect. Um, but then 
Otherwise, the player tries to give them an item, and if it's an item they reject, the the LA says, no, I don't want that. And then players go, well, what's the use of you if you're not going to pick up the thing I want you to pick up? So I, I don't know. I think it's, it's going to be an interesting um, kind of balancing act to see how players can you know, work with that stuff in on a more intuitive level without the game having to be pre-explaining what this stuff does. Um, it, it may be that an advancement is put in to be like, you know, give an LA an item and have it pick up a stack of items for you and that gets you the advancement maybe, I don't know. But um, it's the kind of thing that is a slightly more complicated mechanic. Um, so having an LA not pick up certain items seems to me like it would be difficult for the player to understand on a basic level where we're still getting used to these mobs. Um, going back to the uh, the the LA turning evil, I actually tweeted initially when the LA was announced because of its similarity and appearance to the Vex, what if it becomes a Vex if you give it an iron sword? And uh, the LA has a very fairy-like aspect to it, and a lot of European folk tradition uh, often finds fairies being either harmed or repelled by iron. It's why, you know, people used to nail an iron horseshoe over a door, would be to, like, ward off evil spirits, of which fairies were counted amongst their number. It should be noted that these kinds of fairies are a lot more sinister than your average Tinkerbell. You know, these are the kind of fairies that, like, spirit people away and were, you know, the explanations for, like, mysterious disappearances and stuff, right? So not necessarily as friendly as your average you know, sprinkle you with fairy dust and you can fly kind of example. Um, I don't know if the iron sword thing should actually be a mechanic, you know? <laughs> like, it seems like a, an interesting Easter egg, but then since, from what I've seen in, in terms of the community reaction to the LA and what it does, um, unstackable items like iron swords are most likely what a lot of players want to use them for. Uh, I feel like having the LA turn hostile when you try and assign it that duty is going to be a little bit difficult for players to really find, you know, more entertaining than just frustrating. <laughs> so I think, um, yeah, I, I think it might be might be kind of interesting in the sense of the LA and the Vex having some relationship other than just their appearance, but I, I don't know what that looks like in terms of player interaction with them at this point. Um yeah, I, I, I would, I'm tempted to say I would rule it out <laughs> just on the, on the basis of it being uh, kind of annoying to lose an allay as well, especially if they are as valuable to the player as they seem to be given the mechanics we've seen outlined. And I know we both have a lot more to say about the mob. So uh, because this was uh, your idea to get into a, a live mob vote conversation this episode, uh, why don't you kick us off and then we can get deeper into the allay. Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So um, going back to the results of the, the mob votes, initially we had over a million people, in fact uh, one and a quarter million people, uh, voted in the three-way mob vote between the LA, the Copper Golem and the Glare, at which the Glare was eliminated with only 11.2% of the vote. Poor Glare. Uh, the Copper Golem got 37.8% of the vote, but the LA was the clear winner of that with 51 and it went on to win the final poll with uh, slightly under a million and a quarter votes. Um, the final poll was 54.3% uh, of the vote going to the LA, with the Copper Golem getting 457 So the LA was pretty much the clear winner by more or less 10 percentage points, and I think deservedly so. When we uh, we did the podcast before Minecraft Live, we hadn't seen either the LA or the Copper Golem, so we weren't really able to give our thoughts on those mobs 
I thought they both made a great first impression. In fact, I think all three mobs this year were really what I was hoping for. They mm-hmm. were fantasy creatures. They were unique to Minecraft in some sense. You hadn't really seen stuff like this in other games, except in a very broad sense. And they had their design and their functionality outlined in the video, which was a vast improvement on we think the Moo Bloom does something with bees, we're not sure yet, and nobody really knows what the Glow Squid does, which turned out to be something cool, but you get the sense that was very much something they invented after the the presentation for Minecraft Live. Um, So I I thought the LA was a great idea. Um, I think the video didn't do a perfect job of explaining it, because there was a lot of misinterpretation of what the LA was going to do. Uh, in the video, Jens gives it a cookie, uh, Tiny Jens gives it its, his last cookie, and then it comes back with a bunch more cookies. And that gave a lot of viewers the impression that this was a mob that duplicated items. Unlikely for those of us who know you know, Mojang's design philosophy well enough to know that they probably aren't going to give you something that you can give a diamond to and it comes back with more diamonds. Um, but Jens followed up by saying, if you give an LA an item, it will collect matching ones for you. Again, it wasn't super clear where it would collect them from, um, but then the devs later went on Twitter to clarify that the LA would just pick up items that had fallen on the ground nearby, presumably within a certain radius, and it would even extend to unstackable items. Uh, so potentially uh, you could have it pick up, you know, iron pickaxes if there are a lot of those, or, you know, if you end up with bows dropping from skeletons at a skeleton spawner, it might pick up the bows, and then you could send those into a chest instead of having them, uh, you know, go into a chest with all of your other stuff and take up lots of space. Then uh, in terms of its other functionality it is attracted to music so it likes note blocks and once it collects the item that it has been assigned it either drops them off with the player or at a nearby note block and it seems like it works if the note block is playing so it goes to a note block that's actively making a noise and i think note blocks open up the possibilities quite a lot if you consider that the note block can play 24 notes which is you know two octaves worth of notes for the musicians out there and there are currently 16 different note block instruments and so if the allay can be trained to recognize a specific note and or instrument it could end up going to a specific note block and dropping the items next to it and then all you have to imagine is putting a hopper next to that note block and you have the allay going to a minimum of 16 and a maximum of 384 possible note blocks. Um, I did the maths. So I think that's um, that has potential to be enormously valuable if it has that amount of depth as a mechanic. But even if it doesn't, I still see this mob having a lot of uses, a lot of purpose, and I'm pretty happy that it won the vote. Uh, you were also an LA voter, I, I recall, from uh, Minecraft Live. Were you kind of thinking along the same lines? Yes, uh, and I did vote for it because of the potential that it had. Like you know, they explained pretty well between the tweets and, and other information that we kind of got the idea of what it wanted to do. I will say that I think using a cookie in the animation, while cute, was misleading. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing: that item is going to be on the ground. That means that that item would have had to be crafted by a player and then thrown on the ground. Because you can't, nothing make. I don't know of anything in the game that just gives you cookies naturally. Right. Um, So a better, you know, opportunity would be like a carrot or something that could be around, you know, 
um, gunpowder, just anything that's a normal drop would have been <laughs> would have been a better use, right? I, I just um, thought of something um, that uh, I I, th I think I, I might have mentioned this on a stream previously, but it's just reoccurred to me, is that in the video, the concept is that Jens has given away all of his other cookies to his friends. And the idea that the LA goes around and collects all of these cookies means that all of his friends have dropped these cookies on the floor. <laughs> it's like, that's, that's the impression that gives me. And I'm like, do you just not make very good cookies, Jens? Is this how come this thing is picking them up off the floor? Um, yeah, I mean, that that's, again, it's, it was just an illustration to kind of make the, make yeah. the point. But I, I do think, yeah, it as, as cookies... As an example, yeah, they're, they're not something that we typically find on the floor in Minecraft. It wasn't the, the clearest of examples. And the blog post mentioned uh, when it was first released that you could uh, it could pick up crafted items. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be just found stuff. You could tell it to pick up, you know, something that you've crafted like a cookie uh, and it would go and bring it around. Which, I mean, cool if you're, if you're trying to breed something up, like if you're feeding specific stuff to to animals or or whatever then yes i guess but like it just it seems like it was a little bit convoluted but yeah uh, in the general idea behind it uh, i like that it could potentially be following behind you i'm not sure what the radius is from the note block that it could pick up stuff but mm -hmm. if you've got a note block uh, a couple of note blocks even down in your you know mine and a couple of allay one with stone one with you know uh, andesite and it's just kind of like picking up all that stuff behind you as you go then that's great or vice versa maybe you don't want to worry about uh missing valuable things like redstone or or diamonds or whatever and it's going to come behind you and pick up the the specifics uh then mm -hmm. that's going to be really cool too um i the thing for me uh, that i latched onto was the fact that it could pick up non-stackable items and if it's something like you said could be programmable via note blocks then um one of the things that I run into when I'm doing a sorting system is you can only really send items in straight lines in Minecraft. The LA in theory could fly at a diagonal, both mm -hmm. vertically and horizontally. So if you want to do something in a tight space and you don't want a hopper chain or a water stream going through your build because you don't like the look of it and you don't have room to hide it, if you're okay with an LA flying around, then that could be really cool um, in terms of bringing something from one side of a system to another. Um, if they can pick things out of a water stream to me, that's really cool because, uh, you could maybe use them as a bit of an item filter where, uh, or, or a splitter where you don't want all of your items. Like say, for example, you've got a moss farm and you're taking most of that moss and you're turning it into bone meal, but you still want some moss blocks for building. If you had a, uh, an LA picking up moss blocks Presumably, it would not be able to grab them all as fast as they go by in that water stream, but it would get some, which means that a percentage of your stuff would be saved for building and the rest of it would just go to be turned into bone meal, which is pretty cool. Um, there's a, I think just like the possibility for the mob is is really, really high. And that's why it kind of got my vote over the the copper golem. Um, the only thing that I'm I'm concerned about is just like, the the mechanics of it dropping things off like it's it it has to be very specific like is it going to drop things off directly in front of the note block on top of the note block like how how are you gonna like do you have to have a hopper minecart under the note block in order to suck the item down through 
or are you going to have to have a ring of eight hoppers around the note block because this thing is going to chuck it wherever <laughs> you know and you just yeah, have to kind of yeah. catch it you know now for, for this thing to appease technical players it is going to have to be very consistent mm-hmm. uh, which is which is not something that we are known like we don't we don't particularly know mobs for that uh so we'll we'll see how it works out but um yeah a, f- a few a few ideas kind of bouncing off of that if going back to uh the previous email if it is related to the vex in some way what if it can fly through blocks the way vexes can oh. um that opens up a whole world of possibilities because wow. you can imagine it collecting things from like mob drops in a completely dark room farm without the need for you know any kind of collection system because it could just go through a wall pick the stuff up and then come back from the other side of the wall <laughs> like you know, that that could be used for all kinds of things um especially with uh, skulk sensors and stuff maybe being employed more frequently. Maybe this is an anti-skulk sensor measure because if it's not going to make any sound flying through a wall and picking up an item, then maybe you can use that to retrieve something from a trapped room in an adventure map or something like that, right? There's 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 options there for uses other than just uh, the purely technical item sorting kind of vibe. And that's what I've been trying to do when considering these mobs is consider how they might be used for gameplay other than just what we use them for in terms of you know a more technical approach to survival and i think there's there's a lot more to them than that um we already mentioned the idea of like strip mining for resources and that yielding a lot of material and so having allays passively gathering stuff for you means less inventory clutter and less stuff potentially despawning I've also been working on a really tall build lately. I've been building this anthill and I find myself like diving down to the floor from whatever height to pick up some blocks that I've ended up dropping off some of these taller builds or off scaffolding or whatever and having an allay that just kind of flies around and you give it, hey, I dropped a sandstone block. You give it a sandstone block, it goes and retrieves that block for you. Then that saves a lot of time and it, it prevents you from having your flow broken if you're just getting into the zone of building with something where the materials are still somewhat scarce and you want to make sure you get it all right i think the allay ultimately is a fun answer to anyone who's ever wanted an item magnet in minecraft um, and while it can only pick up one type of item that way i think it's going to be very useful in a casual sense as well as in a very technical sense. And I think that's why I wanted to vote for the LA, because I think it has the most opportunity for emergent gameplay, for the players using it for stuff that is not necessarily the developer's intention, or if it is, it's just one part of their intention for the mob, and there are lots of different ways that you can use it. Which, compared to the glare and the copper golem, those seemed a little bit more kind of refined and single-minded in their uses. Um, so let's get on to the copper golem, um, because this one was the final mob that was announced. Uh, it wasn't entirely clear how it was crafted other than just out of copper, but it seemed like a lightning rod factored into the design. The idea was that you could craft a copper golem. They seemed in the video to be smaller than the average iron golem. They were smaller than tiny Jens and tiny Agnes in the video, so that by definition makes them tiny. And they would be able to walk around and push copper buttons. They would be attracted to copper buttons with the intent to push them specifically. They would also oxidize over time the way copper blocks do and then would eventually become a statue. They would sort of slow down to the point where they would no longer function. Um, So this brings something for redstone and it brings something for builders because you have these cool little copper oxidized statues, but you also have 
a mob that is interested in walking around pushing buttons. And it's worth noting that while mobs can walk over pressure plates, so you can get mobs that activate redstone stuff ahead of time, there aren't any mobs right now that can push buttons, unless you count a skeleton accidentally shooting an arrow at a button. Uh, I think that's the only situation in which they can really open buttons, which means copper golems would be able to open iron doors and iron trap doors. They might be able to go where other mobs couldn't. And the idea was that these mobs would give us something more to do with copper than just making decorative blocks, lightning rods, and a spyglass. And the idea would be to make bases feel a little bit more alive. The idea that the copper golem could be, you know, walking from room to room, operating unseen machinery, going in and out of doors, and generally making it feel like something was happening around a base, even when it wasn't. Uh, the community then highlighted its potential as an organic-feeling redstone randomizer, since it would randomly decide which buttons to push. And then the pushback against that was that there are already pretty established ways of making redstone randomizers so some players didn't see the value in that um personally i think the thing that interested me the most about this and i know i'm the copper guy on empires so i'm kind of supposed to be interested in the copper things i was more interested in the potential that new buttons brought because if copper buttons were added to the game there is the potential for them to oxidize so we don't just get one new button we get four new buttons right and it each of those could end up having different properties, right? So they might interact with the copper golem differently, for one thing. But imagine, right now, we only have two different types of buttons, really. We have wood buttons and we have stone buttons. And they both output a different redstone pulse length. So I think the, um, the wood buttons have a slightly longer redstone pulse than stone buttons do. Stone buttons are shorter. What if the copper buttons the pulse length got longer the older the button was so imagine like a button that you push it into the wall and because it's so corroded around the outside it kind of takes a while to pop back out because nice. it's got these layers of like corrosion around the outside so like if an oxidized button like depressed for a full five seconds before it came back out of the wall again that might be useful for somebody it might make doors that were button operated a bit more accessible for people like me who press a button on the wall and then try and walk through an iron door and by the time you get to walking through it it's immediately closed yep. in your face it happens to me all the time all the and time yep. let me tell you as somebody who's explored a lot of strongholds recently where there are a lot of iron doors with stone buttons next to them genuinely kind of a frustrating experience <laughs> i end up breaking all of them and coming home with 16 iron doors rather than actually use the intended redstone method of opening them but if you have copper buttons maybe slightly different they they weren't super clear about whether there would be any new functionality but i think that's something that as players we could give feedback on as part of the development process if the copper golem had been voted in uh, which ultimately it wasn't but i i liked that as an idea uh, what 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 are your impressions of the the copper golem joel i feel like i've talked for ages at this point oh i mean it's i mean i think that it speaks to how good all of the mobs were that we can talk about them you know at length even though yeah. the copper golem wasn't voted in and it wasn't our mm -hmm. pick we're still talking about it uh yeah. I, to build on that I, if you can wax those buttons too and keep and keep them so like the redstone people out there could be just like oh sweet so i could have several different buttons presumably at different um redstone signal strengths and rather than having to remember which one is which or put it on a colored block so i remember i can actually have the buttons be different colors and have them be different signal strengths and have it work that way i that could be very very handy as well 
Um, and, and for people that want to decorate with them, it would be nice to, for the button to not always turn into a different color if you could mm -hmm. stop that process. Um, yeah. I, I like the idea of building mobs. I think that that's a really cool mechanic that I overlook often in the game and was reminded of it when I built uh, Nembon's um, copper, uh, golem farm. Uh, not copper golem farm. I'm getting my words mixed up. The copper farm where you used snow golems to pummel the drowned so that they summoned more backup uh, yeah. or pummel the zombies to summon more backup zombies. Anyway, the fact that I didn't have to go capture these mobs and bring them over, I could just build them on the spot where I wanted them was yeah. fantastic. I was like, I Und should do this underrated. more often. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like er early game base defense. I am totally making snow golem turrets the next time I start a new game. Like it just, mm -hmm. it's the stuff that you just don't think about. Right. Um, so that I find really cool. I like that. It's little like snow golems are about player size. Iron golems are pretty big. It would be really cool to have something small, like about waist size, uh, it has kind of like a little, like a um, like a fantasy dwarf kind of appeal to it, like a hobbit, mm -hmm. that kind of a thing. Lends into the fantasy, you know, deal with Minecraft with bows and arrows and swords and stuff. Um, the idea of them being like a little mechanical clockwork character um, makes me think of uh, the Tin Man. I think someone said that in our live chat when we covered the the minecraft live that weekend in your twitch chat somebody had said that it reminds them of like the tin man from mm -hmm. from uh wizard of oz um and i again i was interested in this because of the potential of it uh the different signal strengths the fact that um they were walking around doing random stuff not so much appealing because i don't know if i want this like one of the reasons i don't have villagers around is because they open doors and shut them a lot and it just drives me nuts so I wouldn't want a golem walking around pressing buttons and causing a lot of noise unless that was the intention. Um, I do, however, like the idea of maybe directing them. Like what if they're like the LA attracted to certain blocks or if like a minecart instead of on a rail, if you lay down a, um, a stream of redstone dust, the copper golem would only walk that line, right? Mm -hmm. So if you want to create a bunch of hustle and bustle going around, and have it make it look like Santa's workshop is full of copper golems building toys. You could have them walking back and forth along straight lines of redstone. Uh, then, then they would look a little bit more like uh, almost like a copper golem cuckoo clock, you know, like when the two little <laughs> yeah. characters come out and, and do stuff. Um, and in that, in that line of thinking, what if copper golems could interact with other redstone components, bells, observers, pistons. So not just buttons. Uh, what if they could do other things with it? I think that could be that could be really interesting because uh, right now we've got um, wireless redstone in the form of skulk sensors sending sound to different blocks that could then be read by an observer. But what if early game wireless redstone is just slower than molasses going uphill in January in Canada? Like it just, <laughs> you know, like, it, you know, it's wireless. Sure. It's just going to take an eon for this thing to walk from one side of the room to the other. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like quirky in a way, like, sure, you get it, but we're, you're going to pay the price of it just taking a really long time. Yeah. Um, um, I, in term, I like the idea. In terms of them. In terms of them interacting with other stuff, I mean, for a start, if you wanted them to pathfind around, you just put buttons down that are out of reach or buttons that don't do anything. Right. And they still, in theory, would pathfind to them. And I don't know, again, like how mechanical you could make that feel, but maybe a couple of kind of guiding fences around the outside to make sure that they don't wander off the beaten path. 
um, wouldn't be a bad idea. In terms of them interacting with other redstone components, they can do most of that through pressing buttons. Right. <laughs> and like, if you want them to ring a bell, then you put a block with a bell on top of it and you put a button underneath. And I'm fairly certain that bells ring with redstone current. Um, right. So there, there is potential for them to do stuff like that, that to the outside observer feels more like they're interacting with a variety of stuff when the trigger mechanism for it is always is a button um and i i think really what it came down to for the copper golem was like there are already a lot more ways of doing stuff like this yeah because of you know the ability for a chicken to walk over a pressure plate was like the big the big example everyone was giving like it's effectively the same thing as that it's not because you can't control when the chicken pathfinds and the copper golem having some measure of control over it could be kind of a, an interesting thing. I also thought, what if the uh, the copper golem starts to slow down as it ages, right? So right. if it goes through the different stages of oxidization, what if the weathered copper golem, before it turns into the oxidized copper golem, is just a little bit slower? And then potentially that adds more randomness to the timing of certain things. It's kind of like a decay clock almost, where it just slowly winds down over time. They talked about it being struck by lightning if it's out in a lightning storm and how that could potentially revive the ones that are fully oxidized because if you do that with copper blocks, you end up you know, scraping all of the oxidization off the copper blocks. And so iron golems could or copper golems rather could come to life if struck by lightning if they had stopped working before so you know th there are there are a few different mechanics there that i think broaden it to more than just this is a thing that wanders around pressing buttons and doesn't really do much else i think it's the kind of stuff that you would pick up as we had more hands-on experience with them and which is why it's a shame that we can't get all three of these mobs to mess around with because I get the sense there might be some more emergent gameplay coming out of these than we initially expected. And I think ultimately, um, the thing to take away from this is that each of these mobs sort of touched a a fundamental part of Minecraft gameplay, right? Like the glare gave you assistance with lighting, the allay gives you assistance with item collection, and the copper golem gives you something that works for both builders and redstoners. Um, and I kind of put this this way on Twitter because a lot of people were talking about what exists in minecraft already like the technical mechanisms that exist already like the f3 debug information on java for for the glare to you know figure out where the dark spaces are in caves and i honestly think that some players are just going to have an easier time interacting with technical aspects of the game if there's a mob involved like i could build a redstone randomizer or i could make a fun little copper golem that's just going to walk around and press this button for me or you know i could set up a complex system of hopper minecarts but why do that when one allay could do the job as long as it knows what block to pick up i i think there's there's a really interesting like utility to each of these mobs which mojang has clearly thought through and I think it's interesting that in a game where we're provided a lot of different ways of doing stuff, there's a lot of different, like, you know, you can go mining for materials or you can farm it or you can trade it with villagers, that they're thinking about mechanics which we can only do one way and potentially providing other ways to do them via interactions with living things within the game, you know, interacting with what feel like living entities. And I think that's a really interesting approach to these polls. And uh, I don't know about you, Joel, but I think in future I'd really like to see them take a similar approach to looking at these fundamental mechanics and seeing how mobs can assist us with them. 
I think what I pull away from it is that it adds more personality to it. So depending on the type of player you are, you might look at a bunch of redstone stuff. Uh, and unlike me, I think it's really cool to see items flying around. People might find it boring, right? But seeing you know, a dog fetch you stuff or an LA bring things around or seeing a bunch of LA's flying around in a room, moving things from point A to point B might be way more appealing to certain people. And I think that that's, that's the, the nail that you're hitting is that it's, it adds more personality through characters uh, and unique characters. This is the other thing that I think is such a strong vibe from this is that they're all made up. They're all brand new stuff. It's not, it's not a cat or a dog or a, you know, a pig variant. It's like, it's something brand new, uh, which gives Mojang like carte blanche, like they can do whatever they want. Yeah, absolutely. And I'd love to see them uh, take this approach in in future. Um, but the, the LA ultimately won. So we are potentially going to be seeing the LA added in the wild update 1.19. Looking forward to that, but also looking forward to seeing if they find excuses to bring back the copper golem et al in future. Uh, that is going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. Thank you so much for listening, folks. You can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff that we have talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me, and The Spawn Chunks is proud as ever to be a listener-supported podcast. If you're getting some value out of the show, please consider putting some value back in. You can do that at patreon.com slash thespawnchunks. You get to join our community. Pledging at any level gets you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat. You can listen to the show live as it is recorded in Discord every week. And it also gets us closer to our next milestone goal of having having a monthly Minecraft audio hangout with our listeners. We're also at 309 patrons now, which is absolutely incredible. After my call for two more people to step up so we could hit 300, we are up 11 from last week, which is incredible. Thank you so much to everybody who has hopped on board this week. It truly means a lot to have your support. And special thanks go out to our content engineers, of which we welcome a new one today. Ramsey 718 has joined the fold. Thank you so much for becoming a content engineer. And alongside Hunter555, Jumbo Sale and Yitz, thank you for your support on this episode. Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Personal recommendations are, however, the best way to share the podcast. Poke a friend in the arm from a safe distance. I will quote someone in my chat this weekend and say, grab a broom. <laughs> give, <laughs> give, give them a gentle thwack and say they should listen to The Spawn Chunks on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, YouTube, really, wherever you find a podcast, you can find the Spawn Chunks. Email the show at spawnchunkmail at gmail.com. Please use that email address. And hey, use a cool subject line too. Uh, use something topical so we know what your email is about. The RSS feed is linked on the spawnchunks.com and the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page. That's where you can listen to the render distance and get the Q3 download from 2021 this past weekend. My name is Johnny, but online I go by Pixorifs. You can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash And a quick reminder, I'll be providing commentary on the Minecraft Cube Clash event from Twitch Rivals this Tuesday at 26th of October at 10 a.m. Pacific time. I'll also be streaming on my own Twitch channel throughout the week, uh, doing behind-the-scenes work for my YouTube series. And I'm the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search. Aside from that, I'm at Pixorifs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. You can listen to my other podcast, The Citadel Cafe, over at thecitadelcafe.com. This past week, Brock and I talked about Midnight Mass, which is not for the young at heart. It is a horror series 
uh, on Netflix. So if you're in the Halloween spirit, check that out. You can follow me at Joel Duggan on social media and Joel Duggan on Twitch, where this week I'll have a special stream going up on Tuesday because Satisfactory gets update five in the experimental build on Tuesday. So check that out at twitch.tv slash Joel Duggan. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but an LA could collect all of that for you.